Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You are tuned into the program Tazkiyah on Channel Islam International. It is the 9th of Shawwal 1432, corresponding with the 8th of September 2011. Um, we were away for a few weeks, and I'm sure that all our listeners uh, in CIA land must have really enjoyed the holy month of Ramadan. And that's what Tazkiyah is all about to give us that initiative to make the best of these holy months and inshallah to change our lives. Um, for our listeners, just to remind you once again, our SMS line is uh, 0027-8466-8899. I repeat that. It's 0027-8466-8899. Uh, if you have any input for the program, don't hesitate to contact us on our email, ii at ciinetwork.net. And for audio streaming, you can click on to www.ciibroadcasting.net. Well, this is your program, Tazkiyah, which comes out live from the studio uh, of CII Channel Islam International here in Johannesburg. And we have Sheikh Kamaluddin Ahmed from Pakistan um, every week now, inshallah, Aziz, to really give us that spiritual pep, so to say, after the month of Ramadan and that consistency that we so much long for. So my engineers just signaled to me that we have Sheikh Kamaruddin on the line. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum warahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Sheikh, how are you in this month of Shawwal now, just after the month of Ramadan? Alhamdulillah, uh, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, I'm sure all of our listeners had a very pleasant Ramadan and the question uh, you know, on everybody's lips must be how do we keep the momentum and the, cons- uh, the consistency after the months of Ramadan? I know I heard from one alim who had mentioned very beautifully who said that if you live your entire life like Ramadan, then you'll have your death like Eid. So anyway, Sheikh, inshallah, Aziz, you can now again spiritually elevate us and keep that momentum going. So I'm going to just hand over to you. We have no questions for you, Sheikh, but you can go straight into the program. Mm-hmm. and even Amla Hazrat was extremely happy afterwards and 
here in Pakistan as well, upon his return, he was telling many people that uh, participants in this year's takeoff were especially serious and dedicated to making their toba and being regular in their ibadat and increasing their taqwa and becoming regular in zikr. Mm-hmm. And Hazrat Saab, in the last talk he gave, actually, in Itikaf, after Asr, he gave a few pointers. And there were some other pointers, generally, that Hazrat Saab has given us over the years. Mm-hmm. So I thought I would share them for our listeners, many of whom were not able to uh, participate in that Sunnah Itikaf. And also because that last talk of Hazrat Saab after Asr was actually not a broadcast online, and nor was, I think, it recorded and put on the internet. Mm-hmm. So the first thing Hazrat said, which is very fascinating, and uh, in fact, I'm going to mix and match several things that Hazrat said that at that talk, and then he said the next day a few things on Eid as well. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would share with our listeners is that Hazrat said that the difference between the Allah and the average Mu'minin is that all of us, we receive the ni'mat and blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but the awliya know how to safeguard and preserve and retain that blessing. Mm-hmm. And the way he explained it was that in the month of Ramadan, every single person got some fazl, karam, inayat, nur, got a nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala into their heart. Mm-hmm. Anyone who fasted, who prayed salah, who prayed taraweeh, on top of that maybe sat in the recited Qur'an, made dua, everybody got this nur. Mm-hmm. But the difference between us and the awliyaullah is they know how to keep that nur, mm-hmm. they know how to retain that nur, they know how to preserve that nur. And we don't do qadr of that nur, we don't value that nur, we don't safeguard that. And what happens is that after Ramadan, when we fall into sin, every sin that we do actually ends up in I think we've got a little bit of a bad line there uh, we probably will just try connecting with Sheikh on his cellular number uh, Sheikh has been speaking to us about the etikaf in Zambia and uh, he just highlighted one very important point about the difference between the awliya and the ordinary people that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's nur is manifest uh, in the month of uh, Ramadan and uh, the difference between the awliya and the difference between the uh, ordinary person is that the ordinary person, uh, you know, that maybe doesn't make qadr and does not value that nur that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had bestowed on him. Whereas the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are the ones who know how to safeguard that nur, they know how to retain that nur, they know how to preserve that nur. So it all comes down to a question of being able to... Jazakallah, Sheikh. Sheikh, we got cut off where you were, you were just speaking about the awliya Allah, how they safeguard, retain and preserve the nur that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes manifest in the month of Ramadan. And we continue from there. And so the Sheikh gave an example of a water tank and that if you keep pouring water into the water tank so the water tank keeps getting full. Mm-hmm. But if you also start putting holes in the water tank, mm-hmm. then the water keeps leaking out. Mm-hmm. And then if there's so many holes in the water tank, but the water is always leaking out, so it doesn't matter how much water you pour in because it will always leak out. And then he gave the example that all the sins that we do are like holes in the water tank. 
So because the awliyaullah, they value the ni'mah, the blessing that Allah Ta'ala has given them, they want to stay away from sin. Because they don't want to lose. You know, because everybody's every good moment is worried about and how can I retain the blessings of Ramadan, right? And the way, the reason why we're not able to retain them is because we fall into sin. But when every sin that we do puts a hole in that tank, and we can just imagine the nur of Ramadan starts leaving. Mm. Then we do another sin, then puts another hole, then the nur of Ramadan starts leaving. So every year what happens is we come to Ramadan, and our tank gets filled up, but only then to leak out slowly and gradually throughout the rest of the year. Whereas then if you, now if we took this example further, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, then imagine the Uliyallah who have no holes in their tank, mm-hmm. and every Ramadan they get so much more water, and the next year Ramadan they get so much more nur, mm-hmm. and then whenever they go for Hajj Umar they get so much more nur. And I would think that this is a very beautiful example to understand everything. Mm-hmm. And many of us, we come back from Hajj and we say we can't retain the blessings of Hajj. We go for Umrah, we say we can't retain the blessings of Umrah. We spend Ramadan, we say we can't retain the blessings of Ramadan. It's because we put too many holes in our tank. Mm-hmm. And so Allah Ta'ala does give the nur. And the sign that Allah Ta'ala did give the nur was that in Ramadan, all of us felt more taqwa, we found it harder to sin, we were able to pray more salah, we were able to recite more Qur'an, and alhamdulillah, many of us made lots of du'as in Ramadan. Mm-hmm. And we made lots of niyat and irada and intentions. And in the future, I want to pray to Hajjad. In the future, I want to learn more Quran. In mm-hmm. the future, I want to practice more taqwa. So all of those hopes and aspirations that we had for ourselves, mm-hmm. all those du'as that we made, all the tawbah that we made, all the ibadah that we made, mm-hmm. we were able to do all of that because Allah Ta'ala put the nur of His mercy of Ramadan into our hearts. Mm-hmm. And so, this was a wonderful way I felt that this is really the difference. A wali of Allah knows how to retain and safeguard those blessings, and we don't know how to guard and safeguard those blessings. Mm-hmm. So then Hazrat mentioned a few things. Number one, he said that we should make a lot of sugar. That whenever a person is grateful for anything that Allah Ta'ala has given them, Allah Ta'ala says in Quran, that if you are grateful to me, then I will surely, certainly increase you in that boundary and blessing. Mm-hmm. So the Ramadan, the month of Ramadan itself, the fact that we were able to live through the whole month of Ramadan, fast the whole month of Ramadan, we should be do sugar to Allah Subhanahu mm-hmm. We could have fallen ill, it could have been a crisis, it could have been all types of things that could have happened. But Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, shukr to Allah Subhanahu Wa that we were able to complete the fast, we were able to offer the prayers, we were able to complete recitation, we were able to pray tarawih. So we should have a lot of shukr and keep doing shukr. Those nights and those moments, some, some people on the odd nights, on the last 10 days, those du'as that we made, that wasn't us, that was Allah Subhanahu Wa tawfiq on us. So we should do shukr that Allah Ta'ala, you also let me cry in your love. You also let me cry in tawbah. You also let me pray some nafil. You also let me pray some tahajjud. You also allowed me to show my face in the last third of the night. All of these things we should do shukr for. And we should keep doing shukr well through shawal and keep doing shukr for this gift and bounty and blessing of Ramadan that Allah Ta'ala gave us. Second thing is that a person should make a lot of istighfar that our deen teaches us that whenever we offer an ibadah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should make istighfar, seek Allah ta'ala's forgiveness, so that that ibadah can be accepted by Allah. 
In other words, now we have passed Ramadan, we have completed Ramadan. Now is the question that this 30 days or 29 days of fasting that we completed and we sent it off to Allah Taala, will it be accepted by Allah Taala or not? Will it be accepted by Him? And that is going to, we can help it becoming accepted by making istighfar. And the example Hassan gave, as he often does, is that even after Fars Salah, we are taught to say, Allahu Akbar, Sunnah, Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu used to practice, used to teach Sahaba, to say Allahu Akbar once, means that Allah Ta'ala is greater than this ibadah. Allah Ta'ala is greater than even all of the adab and ikhlas I had in this ibadah. Allah Ta'ala is far greater than any ibadah that I can offer. And then astaghfirullah, 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 and say three times to seek the forgiveness of Allah and ask Allah Ta'ala, please, 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 Allah Ta'ala, accept my ibadah anyway, even though it is false, it has fallen short of your might and your majesty. So just like that, after the month of Ramadan, we should spend Shawwal worried about its kubuliya. Mm-hmm. Once in earlier years, Hazrat Sahabat mentioned in the talk that the Sahabat Quran used to spend six months preparing for Ramadan and then the six months after Ramadan praying for its kubuliya. So they would first spend a month praying that they could reach Ramadan and fulfill Ramadan and then after they spent all of Ramadan, they would spend months praying for its kubuliya. Mm-hmm. And maybe we had that worry only on one night, the night before Eid. Maybe the best of us had that worry two or three nights later. And it's hardly been, it's not even half of Shawal yet. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, most of us, if you just look at our hearts, it feels that Ramadan was so far away, mm-hmm. such a long time ago. It doesn't seem uh, that Ramadan was just ten days ago or mm-hmm. eight days ago. Mm-hmm. So it means that we should make lots of du'a of istighfar that Allah Ta'ala accept this Ramadan for us. Mm-hmm. And many times, the way we used to try to make du'a was that Allah Ta'ala, all the du'as that I made in Ramadan, Allah Ta'ala make me a means of fulfilling those du'as. Mm-hmm. Because normally we are ourselves our number one enemy. Mm-hmm. So we make du'a for our own taqwa, we make du'a for our own tahajjud, and we hurt our own selves by our laziness and our ghaflat and our neglect. So we should make dua to Allah SWT that, Ya Allah, I want you to give me the strength that I become true to my own intentions and I be true to my own aspirations and I be true to my own du'as and I make myself uh, a true and loyal and loving and obedient servant in the ways of yours. Mm-hmm. So, the first, so these are the first two things. Number one was sugar and number two is this thought. Then Hazrat changed the talk and mentioned two very particular things two particular sins that people fall into right after Ramadan that causes them to lose the nur of Ramadan. And the first was another, that a person misdirects their gaze. And the way Hazrat explained this is that hifazat and nazar lead to hifazat and nur. That if we preserve and safeguard our gaze from falling onto that which is haram, then we will be able to preserve and safeguard the nur that Allah wants to put in our heart in the month of Ramadan. And this is a problem for both men and women, that we should guard our gaze. And sometimes, you know, gaze also means our thoughts. Sometimes many people in this day and age are afflicted with thoughts, and it's a very big problem. Once the love for a person enters the person's heart, then a person always thinks about them, their mind is always thinking about them, 
and it's very, very difficult to rid ourselves of these thoughts. It's difficult to rid our heart of these feelings. And all of these things are also counted in lowering the gaze. It means then that the person should remain committed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Ramadan, it's like every fast we made and all the ibadat that we did, we were making a commitment, a daily commitment. We were committing ourselves to Allah Ta'ala over and over and over again, every fast, over, over, every fast after the other one. Now we have to remain committed to Allah Ta'ala. We have to keep our heart and our mind and our tongue and our gaze all committed to Allah Ta'ala. After Ramadan, when we get distracted again, when we get diverted again, and then when we start getting attracted once again to creation, then that starts taking away the nur that we got in Ramadan. <coughs> so, he causes another to preserve and safeguard the gaze. And as I gave a story, Alama Ibn al-Jawzi, who was actually one of the greatest Hadith critics, and known to be quite even harsh and severe or stern, or if you will, very cautious in his Hadith criticism, He's also written a book called Iblis, uh, Iblis. and uh, in that book he mentions an incident of Imam Janin Baghdadi Rimullah, one of his students. And one of his students who was a Hafiz of the Qur'an, one of the raids of Imam Janin Baghdadi apparently, was a Hafiz of Qur'an, and he misdirected his gaze once, and then he went to the Shaykh and he told the Shaykh that I have lost the memory of the entire Qur'an. So that is how devastating one gaze can be, that if one gaze even has the power to take out the nur of the entire Qur'an from that person's heart, then definitely one gaze could have the potentially destructive power to take out the nur of an entire Ramadan. And you will find also that this is why shaitan, this is one of the first sins he tries to incite a person to. You see, when shaitan and the shayateen are freed up from their chains, at the end of Ramadan, who are they going to go after? They're going to go after those mu'mineen who got the most out of Ramadan. They're going to go after the mu'takifin, they're going to go after the tawabin, they're going to go after the zakirin, they're going to go after the sabihin. They're going to go after that young man or young woman who tried to change her life in Ramadan, the young man or young woman who pledged to change her life for his life in Ramadan. The shaitan are going to go after them. The more a person got in Ramadan, the more shayateen will go after them. Just like any thief is going to go after that caravan that has the greatest number amount of treasure in it. So we will find then that those of us who tried our best to get the most out of Ramadan, then the shayateen and shaitan will try to come and whisper us somehow to engage in this sin. That we should literally, physically misdirect our gaze. Or in our thoughts, we should be thinking about creation instead of thinking about Allah. Or in our hearts, we should feel emotions about creation instead of feeling emotions about Allah Taala. So then a person is to remain firmly on track. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the barakats of these six fasts of Shawwal. Mm-hmm. When different ulama and mashayikh have mentioned different benefits, some say that a person should keep the six fast immediately, meaning from second of Shawwal onwards. Some say that they should know they should be spaced out. Others say that they should be held kept consecutively. My own feeling is that a person should keep the fast of Shawal in whatever manner is the most beneficial for them individually to retain the blessings of Ramadan. And my experience for most young men and women is actually that they should space the fast out. 
And what they should do is whenever they feel that they've lost the blessings of Ramadan, they've fallen into a low, they should fast. And when they fast again, then they will wake up for Suhoor. Again, they will get ability to pray to Hajjid. Again, they can make du'as at the time of the Hajjid. Again, they will then make a star. They should make du'a at the time of the star. And then that will bring them back into that feeling of Ramadan. Then they should try to see how long it lasts. And again, they will slip. Again, they may feel a dip in their spirituality. Again, they should fast. And so if every time they dip, they fast in Shawal, mm-hmm. and therefore for many people that may be spaced out, then over the month of Shawal, they will get this practice that, okay, even if I slip in my spirituality, mm-hmm. I can pick myself back up. Mm-hmm. So the sixth fast of Shawal can be very, very, very helpful. And I would feel that although it's Sunnah, I feel that we should view it as like a, not in Sharia sense, but we should mm, view it as necessary for us. So it's not obligatory in Sharia, but it's necessary for me. It's necessary for me to follow the Sunnah if I want to maximize my retention of the blessings of Ramadan. <coughs> Many people who have not yet fasted a fast of Shawal, inshallah we should make niyat for tomorrow or for the day after or as soon as we can so that immediately we can regain that blessings of the taqwa of fasting and we can have those moments of du'a of suhoor and ispah. So Hazrat Hab mentioned two sins in that talk. One was another. And the second one was interestingly, riski halal That now in the month of Ramadan, and you know, the way I understood this was that in the month of Ramadan, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has clearly shown us that the Zahir and Batin have an effect on one another. And how much we eat, and what we eat, and for whose name and whose sake we eat, and in whose name we choose not to eat, this will affect our Batin, means this will affect our inner spiritual self, mm-hmm. this will give us Taqwa. So this is a lesson that we learned, that eating or not eating has a direct relationship sometimes on our spirituality. So just like that, and as I mentioned, the second sin that people fall into that they don't have risk of halal tayyib. Now what does halal? Halal means barely lawful according to Sharia standards. And what does tayyib mean? Tayyib means wholesome risk. Wholesome risk. So one way that we can understand that is, for example, if there's an employer who has a business or a factory, and certainly many of our listeners in South Africa and Zambia and Zimbabwe, they fall into this category of people. People who run their own shops, or businesses, or even outright whole factories. Mm-hmm. So risky halal would mean that, okay, you are giving your workers minimum wage, and risky day would mean that, no, you're giving your workers what really they should get, given the amount of profit they're generating for you. So that is one way to understand risky halal is right? Mm-hmm. Am I fulfilling the bare minimum rights of my employees? Then it's halal. And am I treating my employees with ihsan? Am I treating them justly? Am I treating them even better than justly? Am I being favorable towards them? Am I being generous towards them? Then in that case, my prof- my own profits would become tayyib. Mm-hmm. And so risk of halal tayyib, maybe some of us need to make a change mm-hmm. in how we do our businesses and in the wages and salaries that we give our employees and our staff. Mm-hmm. Another meaning of risk of halal tayyib means that my earning is not just lawful, but it doesn't contain anything, it means it doesn't contain anything that is even disliked 
or even has the potential to lead a person to anything that is disliked. <coughs> and the second aspect of this one is earning, and one is eating. So rizki halal l'tayyib also means that I eat from the most halal means obviously I eat from food that has been slaughtered in the Islamic manner, and that's permissible to eat. Tayyib means that the food I'm eating is pure and wholesome. So one example of that would mean that the food that I'm eating is food that is prepared by somebody who is a Muslim, has been prepared ideally from the family members who, who prepare that food with love, has been prepared by mu'mineen who are Muslimin, mu'mineen who pray regularly. We have a problem that many Muslim families who are affluent and well-off, many times they hire cooks to cook the food who are not even Muslim or sometimes you're non-practicing Muslim, so no. We should, if we want to eat Rizki Halal Latayib, we should try to ensure that the food that we eat and we feed our families mm-hmm. is food that is made from family members. Whether it's the women family members who cook, whether the male family members also cook, mm-hmm. it should be food that is made by mu'mineen, made with love, made by people who pray Salah, ideally made by people who remain in a state of wudu, ideally made by people who make thicker. And we can never underestimate the power of that. And uh, a lot of us, we've taken that for granted. Mm-hmm. However, in Ramadan, because the women folk are sometimes making particular delicacies, so it's more often perhaps that the family women themselves make the food, but sometimes outside of Ramadan, we are very lax about this. So we should try to make this another change in our lives, mm-hmm. that from now on we want food to be made with love and with sincerity, we can use the household staff mm-hmm. for cleaning up, for setting up the table, for cleaning up, for washing the dishes, for doing all the messy part. But the actual act of cooking itself, that should be done by pious family members or at least a pious practicing Muslim uh, cook. This is an important change I think many of us can make. Mm-hmm. And those of us who had the good fortune in Ramadan to eat the food, for example, ourselves who are in Itikaf in Zambia, to eat the food that was prepared by the women of Lusaka with so much love and sincerity, we could feel the effect that it had on our heart. Mm-hmm. And that we would want year-round to be given food made with such love and sincerity. Mm-hmm. So these were the four things that actually our Sheikh mentioned in his concluding in a short talk after Asr on the last uh, 30th day of Ramadan. Other than that, then, another way to look at this is just like our Shaykh said that the difference between awliyaullah and the average mu'min is that the average mu'min receives blessings, but the wali of Allah knows how to retain those blessings. So another way to look at it is the average mu'min knows how to make Allah happy, but the wali knows how to keep Allah happy. So we all made Allah Ta'ala happy when we fasted Ramadan. We made Allah Ta'ala happy when we made those sincere, when we made those intentions of Tawbah. We made Allah Ta'ala happy when we prayed to Rabbi Salah. But we're not able to keep Allah happy. That's our problem. We fall back into sin. We again become disloyal. We again become neglectful. But we keep making Him happy, but we're not able to keep Him happy. And the awliya Allah, that's their special attribute. That they're able to make Allah SWT happy, but to keep Allah SWT happy, they have this istikamah. They have this golden, special mm-hmm. attribute which is known as istikamah. Mm-hmm. And if 
Muhammad means <coughs> that they're able to persevere. Mm-hmm. They're able to be steadfast. They're able to be consistent. Mm-hmm. You know, we find that in ourselves, the best of us, we don't have consistency. Mm-hmm. Even the Salakin don't have consistency in their zikr, don't have consistency in their tahajjud, don't have consistency in their dua. <coughs> but the Allah, they were able to consistently keep Allah happy. They were always making Allah happy. That's what they were able to keep Allah happy. Another talk once in Lahore, as I mentioned, some amal that a person can do to keep Allah happy. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to structure this in a way that I'm going to suggest to our listeners that if we want to retain the blessings of Ramadan for the whole year, all we have to do is spend the month of Shawwal properly. And if we spend the month of Shawwal properly, if we spend this month properly, we will get some practice in how to live a life outside Ramadan. Because yes, it is true that right now we are not having as much blessings as we had in Ramadan. The shayateen are unleashed once again. The doors of Jahannam have been cast open once again. One farad is again equal to one farad. One nafil is again equal to one nafil. All of the special features Allah Ta'ala had put in Ramadan, they were special to Ramadan. We don't have them anymore. And now we have to learn to cope and how to live our life outside Ramadan. How to live for the rest of 11 months. Mm. So, some of our listeners may recall that when I spoke to them last, before Ramadan, mm. I said that this year we should make our Ramadan not about how we spend our time from Fajr to Maghrib. Because staying away from food and drink and lawful relations, we're all masters of that. Mm. This year we should make our Ramadan about how we spend our time from Maghrib to Fajr. Mm-hmm. Just like that, I would say, that this year now that we have spent our Ramadan, mm. we should make our year not about our Ramadan, but we should make our year about our Shawwal. Mm-hmm. And that we should have a limited goal. Mm-hmm. Don't think that I could change my whole life or change my whole year. Mm-hmm. Just think this month, and this month has 20 or 21 days left, and this month of Shawwal, I want to be true to my own du'as, my own intentions that I made in Ramadan. Mm-hmm. If I can at least be true to that for 30 days, then inshallah, then Allah Ta'ala will help me to be true to it mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So here's some small daily a'mal that a person can do on a daily basis that can help them in this month of Shawwal to retain the blessings of Ramadan. Mm-hmm. The first thing is that a person should remain in a state of wudu at all times. And this is something, mashallah, many of us try to do in Ramadan, if only because we were on and off, kept trying to do different types of ibadah. So we should try to continue this after Ramadan. Every time we relieve ourselves or break our wudu, we should try to make wudu. We should try to sleep in a state of wudu. We should try to do every single thing in a state of wudu. And if we look at our deen of Islam, Allah Ta'ala has made the most important ibadah, this salah, dua, and tilawat. Mm-hmm. These three require wudu. And why is that? Because Allah Ta'ala wanted us to have a boost, mm-hmm. have a heightened spiritual awareness when we did these types of ibadah. Mm-hmm. So we should want, no Allah Ta'ala, we want that heightened spiritual awareness at all times. We want the blessings and barakah that come with wudu. If we're not no longer drowning in the barakat of Ramadan, 
at least we can keep ourselves drowning in the barakat of wudu. Mm-hmm. And the first thing is to try to remain in a state of wudu at all times. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that there are different small words of zikr that Allah Ta'ala has given us mm-hmm. and they're very easy to do and we should try to make them as much a part of our regular conversation as we can. And what are those words? Alhamdulillah, Subhanallah, Bismillah, Allahu Akbar, La ilaha illallah, La hawla wa la quwata illa billah, Innallah, etc. Mm-hmm. These are words, we, our entire conversation should be sprinkled and peppered with these words. Mm-hmm. And if we do this, if we take the blessed name of Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, Bismillah, on our tongue, and we feel it in our heart, and we do this throughout the day and sketch moments throughout the day, then inshallah this will also help us to keep the Bishazad, it will help us to remain on Istiqamad, mm-hmm. it will help us to, to preserve those blessings of Ramadan and help us to persevere in increasing our blessings throughout the year, even after the month of Ramadan. The third thing is that shukr and summer, so we mentioned shukr for the month of Ramadan, but every single day, a person probably has many dozens and dozens of moments in which they should have had shukar. Mm. And a person probably has dozens and dozens of opportunities when they should have had summer. Mm. But we should try to do in shawal at least one a day. At least there should be one moment of shukar a day. At least one of the opportunities of shukar, we should actually feel that shukar, display that shukar, pray to Allah Ta'ala in shukar. Mm. And in all the different tests and trials and small or major difficulties Allah Ta'ala sends on us, which we should have had sabr, at least one a day, at least there should be one moment of true sabr. If we do that, inshallah ta'ala, every day, then inshallah Allah Ta'ala will include us amongst the shakirin and amongst the sabirin. The fourth thing is that we should learn about the benefits of silence. And here, as the Sabinurs used to call it, Chufkamaza. And sometimes in English I call this one candy of silence. <laughs> but this is also a candy. Mm-hmm. And one candy a day we should take. What does it mean that there, we talk too much? Mm-hmm. We speak too much. And in Ramadan, alhamdulillah, almost all of us, we reduced our conversation. So we want to keep it reduced. We should not react. Sometimes we should learn to be silent. We should learn to observe. We should learn to absorb. And really that is a lot of the adab of sahbah, by the way, adab of the sahbah of our sabiqeen, is that we should be silent, we should observe, mm-hmm. and we should absorb. Mm-hmm. We should be silent, we should observe, and we should absorb. You know, many, many times, alhamdulillah, in our life that we had a chance to spend time with our shaykh, we would observe him. And we would just sit there and observe, and we didn't never predict it, how helpful that would be to us. And many times I find myself in a situation and I can easily, immediately recall that yes, at that time, Hazrat was in a similar situation, and this is how he responded, or this is how he acted, or this is what he said, or this is how he interacted. And then all of that memory comes back, and then a person is able to just, it's very easy, then a person has a role model in front of them, a sample model of how to behave, how to act, how to interact. But if we're not silent, and we don't observe, and we don't absorb, and we're constantly talking, then we can many times miss out on many valuable lessons mm-hmm. that lie, and especially for keeping company mm-hmm. of the pious, that the lessons that we have, we, we can stand to learn when we're in their company. Mm-hmm. 
So in that sense, the person should be silent. And the second way was that we should be less reactive. Many times in the day we have we have the urge to react, to strike back, to talk back. So at least once we should once day one a day we should swallow. This is what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the metaphor he used, "Qadamin al that they swallow their anger. So for us it may so for some of us it may be anger, for some of us it must be haste, for some of us it must may be just irritability. So we should swallow. We should swallow. And we should be silent. We should have one episode of being silent. When we wanted to talk, at least once a day in our book of deeds, it should be written that they made themselves silent even though they wanted to speak. Mm-hmm. And another deed that we should have is they didn't react. They absorbed. They didn't react. They were able to swallow their reaction. At least one reaction a day we should swallow. Mm-hmm. And that's not so much these one-a-day things, but if we can do them every day of Shomal, inshallah, then we will be training ourselves. This is the training we need to engage in after the month of Ramadan so that we can retain the blessings of Ramadan. Another beautiful teaching of the Sunnah and one of the beautiful ahadith that our Shaykh has revived its awareness is that Sayyidina Rasulullah said that that believer who gives their fellow believer an unexpected happiness Allah Ta'ala sends His special mercy on such a believer. What does that mean? That sometimes we should have at least once a day, <coughs> I mean the Hadith isn't saying, but I'm saying that at least once a day, we should try to please someone unexpectedly. Maybe that means that if we're a very busy person and people think we don't have time to talk, that at least once a day we should sit down and we should talk to somebody. Once a day we should please our children in an unexpected manner. We should please our wife in an unexpected manner. We should please our husband in an unexpected manner. For example, for pleasing one's wife, one could perhaps give her flowers, and that may be something that the wife, after the first couple of months of marriage, no longer expects and could no longer mm-hmm. ever even fathom, right? Mm-hmm. So to bring unexpected happiness is such a beautiful teaching of Sayyidina Rasulullah Sallallahu so to bring, once a day we should bring an unexpected happiness to at least one person around us. Maybe an employee, maybe a stranger. Good work. Inward, start with the family, but even over the number of days and even all the way up to a complete stranger. So once a day if we bring a person an unexpected happiness every day, then we can hopeful that, Ya Allah, you may give me an unexpected moment of taqwa. You may give me an unexpected type of ibadah. You may give me an unexpected feeling in my zikr. You may give me something that I never expected, I never dreamt of, I never deserved, or something spiritual. Just because I gave somebody something in this world that they felt that they didn't expect or they didn't need or they didn't deserve. This is another golden thing. These are very small things, one a day. So one a day sabr, one a day shukr, one a day silence, one a day swallowing a reaction. And now one a day, giving someone an unexpected love, unexpected happiness, unexpected joy. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, if we can start learning and doing these things day by day, day by day, if we do them one a day each, and day by day, day by day, we will keep getting the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa and Allah subhanahu will keep us in His Isaza. Allah subhanahu will protect us and safeguard us from falling into sin, from losing the blessings that we work so hard to get in Ramadan, 
delusion that Nur, that Allah SWT was so kind and so generous that he put into our hearts. Another thing, one a day, and obviously for those who are Salikin and who are formal students of Tazkiyah, they would already be doing this. But for some of maybe our newcomers or new listeners in this year, uh, one nafal ibadat a day. There should be one extra worship that we do. So in addition to the farais, in addition to the wajibat, in addition to the sunnah, there should be one nafal, one extra worship I do with Allah Taala. For some people that may be one nafal salawati Qur'an, mm-hmm. for some it be some nafal dua, mm-hmm. some it could be nafal istighfar, for some it could be nafal durud salawat, for some it could be some type of nafal zikr, nafal tasbihat, nafal muraqaba, nafal wukufa kalbi. But every day there should be some nafal ibadat between me and Allah SWT. Because what is nafal ibadat? Nafal ibadat is my way of showing my love and commitment to Allah SWT. Ya Allah, I'm not just a farz only Muslim. I don't just do what is obligated of me, but I also have some passion. Maybe very small, maybe very weak, but I have some passion for you. And in that passion for you, out of my own passion, not because it's obligatory, not because it's mandatory, not because it's farz, not because it's majib, but Allah SWT, because of my own love for you, my own feeling for you, my own passion for you, I want to do this stuff on about it. And that, the way sometimes our hearts be excited is to have a warm relationship with Allah. Mm-hmm. And you know, you see everywhere in the world, people are always talking about improve our relationships, build on my relationship. Mm-hmm. So the most important relationship that we have is our relationship with our Allah. Mm-hmm. is the Abdurab relationship. Mm-hmm. And we want to make sure that that relationship if we want to make sure that that relationship is warm and loving, then every day we should water that relationship. Every day we should try to increase that relationship. Every day we should try to take more baby footsteps towards Allah Taala. Every day we should try to reach out more to Allah Taala, And that is done through these little nafil acts of ibadah. Hmm. And then the last thing I'll mention for tonight, and then inshallah we'll make a collective dua, is ihtimam of dua. And we will notice that in Ramadan, Alhamdulillah, especially when we got into full swing, and especially in the last 10 days, we were very regular and careful about du'a. And all, a lot of those opportunities of du'a are still there. We still have the time of tajjud. We still have, after every fard salah, du'as are accepted. After every act of ibadah, so that anybody does any muraqaba, any zikr, any talawat, any istighfar, any dhrud, any act of ibadah or du'as are accepted. So we have so many opportunities in which Allah Ta'ala wishes to grace our du'as with His acceptance, but we fail to make use of them. Mm-hmm. So ihtimam of du'a should continue in the month of Shawwal to be regular in du'a. We should make du'a as if it's Ramadan. Mm-hmm. We should make du'a as if it's Layl together. Mm-hmm. You see, those are those great old Ya'ullah who live their entire life 24 hours a day as if it's Ramadan. Mm-hmm. What we should do is at least five minutes every day, <coughs> five minutes, mm-hmm. make dua to Allah Ta'ala in such earnest as if it was Laylul Qadr. Mm-hmm. As if we knew, let's say somehow, we knew that it was Laylul Qadr. Mm-hmm. How sincerely and how heartfelt du'as we would make in such a case, we should make at least five minutes of equally heartfelt du'as every day to Allah Ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And this was perhaps one of the 
special gift Allah Ta'ala bestowed upon us in Ramadan, that especially in those nights of Ramadan, and again in those odd nights in the last 10 days of Ramadan, and in those nights that we were hoping, yearning, thinking, maybe it was nailed together, the type of du'as that we made, we need to continue in those du'as. We shouldn't let go of du'a. We shouldn't let go of those nafal ibadat. Yes, we may not be able to do it as much as we did in the month of Ramadan, but that doesn't mean we should stop doing it all together. Even if five minutes in 24 hours, five minutes du'a, but what type of du'a with such a heartfelt du'a as if we think it real together. Mm. And Allah Ta'ala said in Hadith Qudsi, the Prophet said that Allah Ta'ala said, Ana in the zanni amni bi. That I will be with, I will relate with my servant as they view me to be. I will treat my servant as they think me to be. So if for five days, five minutes, we realize that Allah Ta'ala said in Quran, that we should make du'a to him. Why? Because he will do, he will respond, he's mustajab al-da'wad, that he responds to our du'as. But that is the same Allah who responded to our du'as in Ramadan, that same Allah subhanahu that same loving and merciful love, wants us to keep making du'a to him, and wants to listen to and respond to and grant our du'as, even outside the month of Ramadan. So we're hopeful, inshallah ta'ala, that by doing shukr, by making istikhar, by guarding our gaze, by making sure our earning is risky halal tayyib, and that our food at home is also being cooked from the most wholesome sources by the most pious people, and by staying in a state of wudu, and by making use of these small kalimat of zikr, alhamdulillah, bismillah, etc., and by having a daily episode of sabr, a daily episode of shukr, a daily episode of silence, and a daily swallowing of some reaction, and by daily trying to please someone or the other in an unexpected way, and by daily doing some nafil ibadat, and by daily making at least five minutes of heartfelt dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and then by observing these six fasts of the month of shawal, and making sure that we observe them with all of the adab, and the tahajjud, and the du'as of suhoor, and the du'as of iftar, and some extra night worship, that by doing this throughout the month of Shawal, inshallah with the help and kalam and fazl of Allah subhanahu wa we'll be able to retain the blessings of Ramadan. May Allah ta'ala enable us to retain the blessings of Ramadan, increase in our <coughs> blessings, and may He enable us to successfully witness yet another Ramadan next year. You granted us each and every blessing that we had. You gifted us with the month of Ramadan. Mm-hmm. You allowed us to fulfill the fast of Ramadan, mm-hmm. to pray the prayers in Ramadan, mm-hmm. to pray Taraweeh in Ramadan, mm-hmm. to do all types of nafal ibadah in Ramadan. Ya Allah, it just took days of shawal, and we have lost the nur of the month of Ramadan. It took just hours of shawal, and we have lost the barakat. Ya Allah, we are the most unworthy, the most ungrateful, the most disloyal of your servants. Ya Allah, we ask you to have mercy on us, send your makhra on us, 
and your hidayah on us mm. and revive our hearts again, mm. soften our hearts once again, mm. send the same barakat of Ramadan in our hearts once again. Mm. Ya Allah, we don't want to lose those blessings. Mm. We want to retain those blessings. Mm. Ya Allah, you are so kareem. You put so much nur in our hearts in Ramadan. Mm. You put the nur of your hidayah in our hearts, the nur of your rahmah in our hearts. Ya Allah, kareem, we don't want to lose that nur. Mm. There is no other nur for us. There is no other rahmah for us. Definitely. We have only and only one you. Mm. Ya Allah, we ask that you guide us to these a'mal in the month of shawal that will safeguard the nur of Ramadan. Amen. Ya Allah, we wish not to lose even a single drop of the barakat of that month. Amen. Ya Allah, we were so desperate. We were so needy. We were so poor. We were your fakirs. And Ya Allah, you gave us the charity of your nur. Yes. Ya Allah, we don't want to be robbed of that charity. Yes. Shaitan and the nafs are trying to steal away that nur. Yes. Makhluk and creation are trying to distract and divert us from that nur. Ya Rabbikareem, Ya Allah, we put all the barakat of Ramadan as an amanat in your hifazat. Ya Allah, protect it for us, safeguard it from us, yes. safeguard it for us, restore it to us. Ya Allah, let us remain kaim, daim, let us remain firmly established on all of that nur, and on all of the du'as that we made in Ramadan, all of the good intentions we made in Ramadan, Amen. all of the dreams and hopes we had in Ramadan, Amen. and let those dreams come true, Amen. let those intentions come true. Amen. Yalla, you yourself had a dream for us in Ramadan. Amen. You said in Quran, لَأَلَّكُمْ تَتَّقُونَ Ya Rabbikarim, you are hopeful that we've become people of taqwa. Ya Allah, we ask that you fulfill your own hopes for us. Ameen. We ask that you make us true to your hopes. Ya Allah, so many of your awliya Allah, who traveled this earth, they tried to guide people in Ramadan, they sat with them in itikaf, they tried to bring them closer to you. Ya Allah, they also have hopes in us. Ya Allah, surely you love them, and surely they love you. Surely you are beloved to them, and they are beloved to you. Mm. Ya Allah, we ask that you honor their hopes. We Amen. ask that you fulfill their hopes. All the du'as that all of our elder asatiz and mashayik, ulama, sulaha, made for this Allah, mm. and made for us. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us true to those du'as. Mm. We ask that you make us the fulfillment of those du'as. Mm. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us the coolness of the eyes of the Prophet mm. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us amongst his truest followers. And amongst your truest servants and slaves, Ya Allah, we ask that you grant us a life of taqwa, a day of taqwa, a night of taqwa, a life of dhikr, a day of dhikr, a night of dhikr. Ya Rabbikareem, all of the du'as that Nabi Akareem Sassam made, all the Sahaba, Tabin, Tabai, Tabin, Professorin, Muhaddisin, Fuqaha, Usulin, Siddiqin, Salihin, Shahada, Uliya, Kamilin, ever made in all of the Ramadan for all of the Ummah. Ya Allah, we ask that you accept those du'as in our heart. Ya Allah, we ask that you make us the fulfillment of those du'as. We ask that you make us your true and loyal servants. We ask that you make us amongst the muttaqeen. Rabbana takamal minna innaka anta samir alim. Wa tubu alayna innaka anta tawab rahim. Wa sallallahu ta'ala ala habibihi sayyidna muhammad. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.